0: About to hit the 2 a.m. hour on this Sunday morning. And your Buffalo Bills are headed to the AFC Championship game. Man, it is a crazy sentence to utter uh, even after the dominant performance that we just watched. Uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, deliver in, in a big spot on the national stage with all of the doubters. And We're going to talk all about that in a little while. Um But this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, and you are watching it, um, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, or our brand-new YouTube page uh, live uh, on this Sunday morning. Uh, We don't know who the Bills will play yet next week. Obviously, Cleveland and Kansas City have to play tomorrow, Uh, but we're, we're grateful for you guys. Joining us, uh, we are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And I see a lot of comments already, Ryan. No sleep for the diehard fans. That is true. It's funny. I don't know how any Bills fan can sleep right now because uh, what just happened was an absolutely dominant performance um, by this defense uh, in, in a huge spot.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my wife's still up. She's pretty wired from that game. Uh, I've had a lot of friends and family contacting me, sending me messages. They're pretty excited. So and, and there's a good reason to be excited. This is the first time the Bills will be in the AFC Championship since, you know, the early 1990s. So, you know, Bills Mafia, celebrate celebrate responsibly, but you guys deserve it.
0: Um, I'm gonna ask you to do do us a favor. I'm sure all of you already are because we've been pushing it all week. But if you are watching on YouTube, we just launched this new YouTube page. While you're here, smash that like button on the video, and also hit subscribe below. So every time we go live on YouTube, you're you're sent a notification so you can join us. We got a big show coming up on Wednesday. We're so excited about. Maybe we'll do a little teaser or something to talk about. But I want to I want to first get into before we get too deep down uh, into this game, because there's a lot to talk about from this game, you know, from the way that the first half played out to some of the big plays in the second half, there's so much to break down, but I want to start with, you know, what I think was the biggest story to come out of this. And that's the way that the Buffalo bills handled Lamar Jackson once again. And obviously he only played three quarters, but, uh, I think it was ended up being eight carries for 34 yards. This is a Bills defense that took that the best thing that this Baltimore Ravens offense does, Lamar Jackson as a running, as a runner. They took that completely away. And that came down to a lot of different things. Guys were flying around the ball. The Bills went back to that 4 3 look that we've kind of been waiting for all season. AJ Klein was out there with Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano for a, a big chunk of the game. But I thought the edge defenders, specifically Jerry Hughes, Trent Murphy at times, Mario Addison had a sack. Those were the guys that needed to step up at, at in the biggest moment when they were needed the most, and they all did.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and let's put some respect on Leslie Frazier's name. You know, he, he's emerged mm. as a candidate for that head coaching job in, in Houston. You know, after what he did tonight, I hope I that he is seriously considered because he put on a show. He had the perfect blueprint, and to Buffalo's credit, they executed. You mentioned it. Jerry Hughes had a monster game. They were bringing down a safety all game long uh, to help stop that run. And, and, you know, the first drive, maybe it was the nerves. uh, But Baltimore did march down the field, set themselves up for a field goal, which obviously was missed. But after that, they were really solid against the run. You know, you're not going to shut down every single run. You're going to give up some yards here and there. But for the most part, they were absolutely dominant, like you said. The, the edge de- defenders did their job. They, they stayed disciplined. Uh, and to Lamar's credit, there were times where he still took off and ran and got big chunks of yards. That's what he does. It's what he's you know known for doing. But for the most part, you, you can't say enough good things about that front seven and then obviously the secondary as well who came up with the biggest play of the game.
0: You know, one of the biggest storylines this week, you know, you listen to the national shows and the, you know, mostly the, the, the talk shows and you, and you, you know, they, they look for numbers because, you know, a lot of people aren't watching all the games, you know, uh, on the national stage. So one of one of the big numbers that, you know, people could go and, and dig up and find is that this team has given up some big rushing performances this season, you, but you go back to that Kansas city game and you look at the, the, the guys that weren't available that game and also the game plan for that game called for them to kind of let Clyde Edwards, Edwards-Hilaire kind of have his and hope to be able to outscore him. Now, they weren't able to do that, but I think you got to dig a little bit deeper. And so when, when you look at this game this week, I, one of the big keys for me was the fact that uh, benefits for the Bills' offense defense was this offensive line just isn't as good as the version of this offensive line was last year. And when you're a running team that depends on blocking you need to ha- – you're going to need your all-pro guys like Marshall Yanda, who retired, and Ronnie Staley, who unfortunately was injured for the season. Those guys have been missed on this offensive line, and we've been talking about it quite a bit over the course of the last week. I thought that that showed in this game. There was, there was consistent pressure, but smart pressure, gap sound pressure. I know we always joked about it last season because week after week we are talking about gap integrity and, you know, maybe, you know, staying, you know, close to you, like making sure that you execute your fundamentals. That was so important in a game like this. And to your point, listen, we've talked so much about Brian Dable and rightfully so all season long. Leslie Frazier went out tonight and put an exclamation point on just an absolutely sensational run these last four years as the bills defensive coordinator. And it wasn't always pretty this year. This was a defense that had to kind of find its identity with a lot of new pieces and not the same, amount of ramp up time to the season, but what they've turned themselves into at the perfect time of the season, it's, it's not only commendable, but I think it, you know, if I'm the Houston Texans watching this game, knowing what the bills have built here from a culture standpoint and the way that this defense has consistently been really great for four years under Leslie Frazier, Man, he, he catapults to the top of my, uh, of my list. I have a little bias, I guess, because I've gotten a chance to get to know him a little bit, and I love talking to Leslie Frazier. I have so much respect for him, but he went out tonight and had. I, I tweeted it. It was, it was a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, the defensive line on their own, even when the Bills weren't sending pressure, they were winning those one-on-ones. So like you mentioned, this was not the same Ravens offensive line that we saw one year ago. Uh, Buffalo was getting through, getting some push there. Uh, so even creating on their own, Uh can't say enough good things about that overall game plan. And and obviously they had some snapping issues on Baltimore as well. There were a few bad snaps that went for fumbles. There were a few where, where Lamar had to handle them. So the offensive line, you know, was the LVP, the least valuable players, I guess, for the Ravens tonight, and it really cost them at times. But kudos to Buffalo, kudos to Leslie Frazier. Uh, and, and, you know, not just the front four, the linebackers too. You, you and I both walked away last week thinking, boy, you know, the, the linebackers, they, they kind of struggled. And I thought tonight they were fantastic. Matt Milano made a play in, in coverage, uh, made a few plays, obviously. And then I thought Edmonds had one of his best games of the season and, and obviously better than, than what he did last week against the Colts.
0: Yeah, um, if you guys have anything you want us to uh, hit on specifically, make sure you you let us know in the comments section. We're so uh, grateful for you guys uh, joining us late at night here, almost two a.m. Uh, but you know, a lot of passion, and this is a this is such a fun time. I mean, getting a chance to walk through um, to the stadium tonight and and seeing some of the Bills fans uh, ascending on the stadium, and then getting in there and seeing that you know what they brought. Ryan, this was an unbelievable scene that I, you know, I'll try to, you know, paint a little bit. You look around and we're and for years now covering the team and seeing the, you know, the stadium from the seat that I have in the press box, you look around and it's just a massive amount of people just like kind of um, falling over, you know, the, the different levels of the stadium and Even with 6,700 fans in the the stadium, there's that whole empty area up top and um, the sound that they were able to make. I mean, Jerry Hughes even mentioned it after the game. uh, Micah Hyde as well. To draw those false start penalties with just 6,700 people, and I know that this defense had a big part of it. I mean, they were really getting after Lamar. They were making things uncomfortable. But the 12th man, Bills Mafia, was Absolutely unbelievable for a second straight week. I mean, I don't know how, if, if you're somebody watching this game from around the country, it's hard not to really just have your appreciation grow for this fan base.
1: Yeah, they were talking about on the television broadcast uh, across the board, the main commentators, Collinsworth Michaels, but also Michelle Tafoya, uh, about just how loud that the Bills fans were being and how disruptive they were being when the Ravens were on the field. And you're right. That drive comes to mind with they kept backing them up and you kept, they kept getting flagged for false starts to the point where it was half the distance to the goal and it was a one yard penalty at one point. Uh, the Ravens ended up converting on that third down play, move, keeping the drive going a little bit longer. But the, the, the 12th man, like you said, they deserve a ton of credit uh, for what they did, not only in that drive, but throughout the game. They played a huge factor and to anyone that thought that 6,700 fans going to make a difference, they have been proven wrong in back-to-back weeks. This is
0: the Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome. I'm going to remind you once again, please smash that subscribe button. I'm trying to grow this new channel. We're so excited about it. We have... A great show lined up for Wednesday, but there's a lot of different things to talk about. Let's switch things. We're going to come back to the defense because I want to talk about some of the things that Jerry Hughes talked about. Hughes with an absolutely monster game, a veteran, uh, longest tenured Bill, shows up in the biggest Bills game of the century and, and delivers just a, uh, a career-defining performance. He His two sacks tonight brings him to five. And, you know, I want to talk about the offense. Let's, let's stick with Hughes for a minute because there's a lot to unpack from his game. He, he, two sacks tonight brings him to five for his postseason career, which ties him with Daryl, Daryl Talley, uh, Bruce Smith, and I think one other player. Um, but this was, this was one of those performances. And I think Jerry Hughes, I think we mentioned it. Uh, I can't remember what was the, if it was a podcast or somebody was talking about it, but um, if, if he's like, if he's already put himself on the wall of fame with, you know, the the career that he's had and the contributions that he's made. I mean, he's been a, you know, a a couple season, double digit guy, a big piece of this last four years, but this was the kind of performance on the big stage that I think vaults you into the lore a little bit. We'll talk about Taron Johnson as well, but this was a, I felt like this was a tone setting game, you know, with the offense struggling, they needed somebody to come out and set the tone and Jerry Hughes with that sack in the first, first quarter after, uh, I think it was the first quarter, maybe early second, where you know on that first drive it was looking a little bit scary. I mean, the 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 Ravens came out and they were establishing the run a little bit, had a couple of nice plays. Lamar had a nice run. They were getting um, Gus Edwards involved, uh, J.K. Dobbins involved. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, they miss a field goal, and, and and Jerry Hughes comes up and makes a big play. This was such a huge performance for him on a defensive line that I think has been, you know, they never really reached what I think fans had hoped during the regular season. Obviously everything that's gone on with Trent Murphy and you know the development of AJ Epinesa and Daryl Johnson and you know maybe being a little undersized on the interior. This was a hey, we're 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 still here. We're we're gonna be a factor and and, and it made a statement tonight.
1: Yeah, the, the sack puddles weren't what uh people expected when Eric Washington took over as defensive line coach for this team based on his history. But what a performance by that unit tonight. You mentioned it. Uh, mentioned Trent Murphy earlier. You mentioned Mario Addison, but obviously Jerry Hughes was the the big play uh, threat on that defensive line, and in terms of getting after Lamar Jackson, you, you know he's obviously not going to be in the same category as the Stephon Diggs trade. But that trade under the the Doug Whaley regime is going to be looked back fondly uh, as it was a player for player trade with Kelvin Shepard and. and Both guys needing fresh starts based on where they were, and obviously the Bills won that trade significantly because you mentioned it, uh, back-to-back 10-sack seasons when he first came to the Bills. And even though the sack totals have been down since that point, his pressures have been amongst the uh, highest in the league throughout these last few years. So he's still getting home. He's still getting after the quarterback. He's still making life very difficult. And and tonight you saw what he could still do and do at a high level. So he came through in a a big-time way to help this team uh, win their second playoff game and advance the AFC Championship.
0: I'm going to be writing about this uh, tonight because that's what kind of took me a while to get home as I was transcribing Jerry Hughes and Sean McDermott from um, their press conferences tonight. And the Bills generated pressure on 36.6% of their dropbacks tonight. Jerry Hughes led that effort with a team-high seven pressures. Uh, 11 different Bills defenders generated at least one pressure Hughes was the only Bills defender with more than three. Uh, that's according to next gen stats. He just had an outstanding game all around. And asked after the game um, about how they prepared uh, for Lamar Jackson. And Jerry Hughes said that Isaiah McKenzie played that role. Last year it was Ray Ray McLeod. This year it was Isaiah McKenzie that kind of gave them that look and the kind of speed and quickness and dynamic playmaking ability from the quarterback position. And you know, that's one thing that is such an undersold part of this regime is their ability to game plan. And I, I don't know the stats specifically, um, but I think I heard it on a podcast. I mean, I, there's so much stuff I consume this week preparing for this game. Uh, it's hard to really iron it down. But there was something that somebody said that Lamar Jackson's record against defensive head coaches, head coaches that came from a defensive coordinator background is the stats are staggering at how much he struggled in those games. And, you know, you look at uh, the plan that they had last year. I mean, Jerry, Hughes said they were going to switch it up a a little bit. And I think that they did in the sense that they played more. uh, I'm interested to see the numbers. I think they played more 4-3 this year than they even did last year against him. I mean, AJ Klein was on the field for most of the game, which makes Taron Johnson's play even more poetic and spectacular. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, I mean, first reactions to that, getting Isaiah McKenzie in that role and having him uh, kind of play uh, mimic Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah, It's just smart coaching, having a guy that can come close to mimicking that speed and to have an right. Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, and, and, you know, the, obviously Kenny Stills hasn't been here long, but Kenny Stills has that type of speed where they could utilize him later on if he sticks around. So it, it's smart because in today's NFL you do have a lot of these athletic quarterbacks that can, uh, take off with the ball and hurt so you, you know it, it just goes to show you how smart this team is in terms of their preparation they're going in knowing what they need to do they have an idea of how they can uh they'll handle a quarterback like that based on the speed factor at least by having an isaiah mckenzie back there and and obviously those preparations it worked out very well because they were all over him Qu- quarterback hits tackles for loss Uh, And even when he was throwing the ball, they had their fair amount of uh, passes defense tonight as well.
0: Yeah. I'm seeing some comments in here. Uh, Elliot, uh, one of our most loyal listeners. What's up, my man over on YouTube uh, says, I'm just worried about this making the Texans want Frazier even more. And listen, I think Bill's fans have to maybe come to the um, realization that there's a real good chance that you're losing both your coordinators this year. I mean, when a team has this kind of success, You know, other teams in the league want to uh, replicate that any way that they can. And you look at the disaster that's going on in Houston right now, in terms of the culture and just the um, everything that's that's gone on there that's led to the alienation of Deshaun Watson. And bringing in a a stable, calm presence like Leslie Frazier, I think, is something that you know can maybe turn that franchise around and maybe get Deshaun Watson back on board a little bit. Uh, They have to really. Pay attention to the hire that they make because that person is going to set the tone for trying to rebuild that relationship. And I think I go back to something that Lorenzo Alexander always said when he talked about Leslie Frazier, and he said, "I love playing for L- L- Frazier because every time when things are going bad or when um, you know we're struggling or there's chaos, he is that calming presence throughout that ca- that chaos." And I don't I don't think it's it's too much to say that Sean McDermott w- made a very calculated decision bringing on Leslie Frazier as his defensive coordinator when he got this job. Uh, I go back to something that Ron Rivera said, uh, you know, sh- early in his career, he, you know, told other coaches that work with him, listen, the most important advice that I ever got was bringing on a veteran coach that could help me be not only be a head coach, but but grow as a head coach. And I think that that's what Leslie Frazier has has kind of been for Sean McDermott. Even during some tumultuous times, you, know, you go back and remember when Sean had to take away some play-calling duties and some of those odd kind of things. Um, but I just think Leslie Frazier has just been outstanding.
1: And he has been. And, you know, if they were to lose either coordinator, which, like you said, there's a good chance they're going to lose both, I think the Bills are in a better place if they do lose Frazier because obviously Sean McDermott has that defensive background. And if you look at the three tiers of their coaches, all three of them have extensive uh, backgrounds coaching in terms of the defense. They have a lot of knowledge there. Eric Washington is a former defensive coordinator during his time at Carolina. Bob Babich has been around this league for a long time and could obviously uh, handle those responsibilities. John Butler in the secondary. All three guys are experienced. They all w- would be able to fill in. Uh, you can't take away what Leslie Frazier has done this on a huge stage. Just goes to show you how good of a game plan he can drop. And like you said, you know the Texans—they're in a tough spot right now in terms of their reputation, in terms of what's going on. Having a Leslie Frazier type presence there might help. Uh, with Deshaun Watson, it might help saying, okay, we can get the defense turned around under this guy. We already have a franchise quarterback. We just need to get a uh, young guy that can come in and, and help call some plays and get that offense going. And, you know, maybe he poaches someone from this coaching staff, or maybe he brings in a young guy elsewhere in the league. But Frazier deserves another opportunity in this league, and I couldn't be happy, happier for him based on what he did tonight.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of opportunity, somebody took advantage of another one tonight. And that was Taron Johnson, who speaking of Bill's uh lure, if you will, I mean, Taron Johnson has placed himself in, you know, maybe the conversation for a top five moment in Bill's history uh with that kind of play on this kind of stage. Now, listen, I know that they ended up winning 17 to 3, and the way that this defense was playing, who knows? I mean, maybe it goes a different direction, but you just can you have to take the situation that they were in at that moment third and 9 uh literally on the doorstep of scoring if the if the if the Baltimore Ravens at that point score a touchdown there the game is tied at 10-10 and who knows what happens down down the stretch i know the offense was playing better and you know getting the ball back in Josh Allen's hands after a touchdown drive you know maybe he comes back and drives another touchdown it's a it's a different story but Taron Johnson doesn't even give him a chance he makes a play again doubling what he did against Pittsburgh in week 14 when he took it 51 yards. This time he goes for 101 yards. Uh, he said after the game that uh, he had a split-second moment where he thought maybe I should just go down after he picked it off, but he saw all this open green grass, green, grass, green turf. He was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance. He made a play. Uh, tredavius White got out in front of him and some just absolutely spectacular blocking uh, down the field, real heady play by a veteran, uh, all-pro all pro corner. And, and then the way that the bills responded after that, even coming back out on the field, um, forcing, I believe it was a three and out when uh, the the play that sent Lamar to the locker room was a play, but made by Trent Murphy and your earlier point, Tremaine Edmonds, getting through, breaking through that pressure, uh, putting pressure on Lamar Jackson. That's something that happened throughout the game. I felt like Lamar never was able to get comfortable. And I think that that was also a big reason why he made that throw you know, the thing that you could say about Josh Allen, even in a game where he struggled um, with the wind and some accuracy issues at times, and I think the wind actually played I, – I, I tweeted out a video of it uh, where I, f- I felt like that that definitely played a role. You look at his final numbers, 23 of 37, you know, some misses, but 206 yards, one touchdowns, no interceptions, and that's the key in these kinds of games. Against a team that has a good defense that has led led the league in fumbles, forced fumbles, uh, turnover uh, machines in their secondary—Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, whoever you want to talk about—to take care of the football, to make plays, and to still get out of this game. And you look at Josh Allen's stat line, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, I thought that they played the perfect game, and you know, play they playmakers made plays in the end. And, and today it was Taron Johnson.
1: Huh. Yeah. Taryn Johnson, unbelievable. You mentioned the Sunday night pick six, but just go back one week ago against the Colts. Who was the player that made the big run stop on third and goal uh, when the Colts were, were on the doorstep uh, right before halftime? It was Taryn Johnson. He stopped the running back for a loss of three yards on that play. It was sure tackling. He was the first one there. So, he, you know, he made a game changing play last week and he obviously made a game changing play this week. Uh, Beginning of the year, there were some struggles. He was still solid against the run, but he was struggling in coverage. And there was a period where he was struggling against the run. And then, just like things clicked for AJ Klein at midway point of this season, things clicked again for Taron Johnson. And maybe it was no off season, no, uh, no, you know, true training camp, preseason, whatever the case may be. But something changed, and once it did, he was the player that we got used to seeing early in his career. Making these these unbelievable plays, and he said he was just kind of reading Lamar's eyes, and he knew that everyone knows that Mark Andrews is his favorite target. So when he when he was looking and staring down Andrews, he waited till the time was right, jumped that route, and and thank goodness he did see that green in front of him because you know if he does take the knee, you're right. Bills the uh, Buffalo's offense was playing better at that point. Maybe they sustained a drive and, and score some points, but he made that the heads up play to run it out. Trey White going downfield, blocking Lamar Jackson, that, the last man to truly be able to have an attempt to tackle him. And, and then you have the seven points. All of a sudden, 14-point game. It, it looks, you know, it's obviously only a two-score differential, but it, it looks pretty big against a Ravens offense that was really struggling to that point.
0: We got a couple hundred people in here, Ryan, and we're gonna go as long as you guys want us to go here tonight. I got some stories to write, uh, but there's there's just a lot to get into, and and we'll probably even give our first thoughts on potential opponents here um, with the Chiefs and the Browns playing tomorrow. Uh, but before we get too far into it, quick word from our sponsor. Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. So I thought it was a real bold strategy for the Bills to come out and run it one time in the first half. Um, And, you know, as the game progressed through the first half, it, it just felt like, Just offering any type of changeup, I think would have benefited the Bills offense. Like, you know, there was, I I think that they may have, and it'll be interesting to talk to Brian Dable about this uh, on Monday, but I think that they they maybe thought that they had some opportunities to win down the field. And there was a couple plays early on where you know guys were open and Josh kind of just missed them. And I think part of that was the win, part of that was you know, whatever was was going on there. Uh, but they they didn't try to run the ball in the first half. And you notice right off the jump in the second half, in the third quarter, they came out, they established the run with Devin Singletary right away, had a couple nice runs on that touchdown drive. And all of a sudden that loosened up the defense. They were able to uh, I think generate an 11-play, 66-yard drive to, to score the lone offensive touchdown in this game. And that's another thing that I think speaks to this defensive performance by the Bills. Listen, they gave up 360 yards, but how many of those yards – did you ever feel like this defense was, was stressed out, was under pressure, that the, the Ravens were driving to score? That's one of the big things that I took out of this game too is that every there wasn't a moment in this game other than maybe that Lamar play on third and nine where I thought that there was a real potential for a score. They took away the big game-changing plays from Lamar as a runner, and there was just this game played out exactly like the Bills wanted to. And the offense, for the struggles in the first half, got it together, and made the plays when they needed to in the second half.
1: Yeah, you know, the run game has not been a part of this offense all season, so I, I can't say that I was shocked that they didn't go to Devin Singletary until uh, pretty late in the first half. The first run was a it was an Allen scramble when uh, he faced some pressure. But you're right, it did help loosen things up. It, uh, kudos to Singletary, you know, getting a nine-yard gain I think, on his first carry, having some other big runs there, protecting the football, you mentioned it. Uh, You have some ball hawks on that defense, and and even early in the game, anytime there was a catch, uh, you could see them trying to rip the ball away, but the the Bills did a great job on that, Allen having the only fumble, which was recovered by Deion Dawkins, so everyone did their jobs. Now, do you have to mix in the run a little bit more? Yeah, it probably would would benefit you a little bit to keep those defenses honest, Uh, but I I also understand where Brian Dable is coming from. You look, and this offensive line does a great job protecting Josh Allen, whether it's Uh, No pressure, whether there's pressure coming. And Allen does a good job of getting it out just at the nick of time sometimes, sometimes early. And and that's what's brought you this far. So you have to understand the Bills are going to stay true to what's brought them to the dance. But at the same time, mixing it up a little bit will keep those defenses honest. And maybe you do hit some bigger plays because then the play action is more effective. Uh, And little things, too, getting guys open three, five yards off the line on a play action pass doesn't necessarily have to be a big gainer but yeah get get the run game a little bit more involved next week but it's easier said than done because when they have given these guys the ball sometimes it ends up being third and long situations after a short run on first down or on second down uh so there has to be a little bit of a mix there though nonetheless
0: sorry i'm sitting here looking down at my phone as i'm sure everybody's like hey what are you doing and i'm just getting some dms asking if we're going live so i got to tweet this out on uh um on Twitter, because people were waiting up, waiting for the show, and they, they I retweeted it, but maybe they're not getting it. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but I also, you know, looking at this offense performance, I mean, you saw John Brown, who was pretty uh, invisible last week against the Colts. Uh, they really tried to establish him today. Uh, 11 targets, eight catches. Uh, Cole Beasley only with two targets in this game, not a single. Catch that was a little bit surprising to me, but I think that the the um the Ravens did a good job taking him away. Again, I got to go back and watch the game back. Uh, but there was a, it. They they played a lot of zone. They they kind of uh they threw different pressures at Josh. I think in this in this game. Uh, again, I, I want to go back and watch that. But whatever they did, they were able to take Cole Beasley completely out of the game. Uh, and, and I think that when he's not going, when he's not um, you know, consistently involved in the game, only two targets, I feel like that kind of takes away some of those third third and shorts. And you know, especially in the first half, I thought there was one play where Josh looked downfield um, as he got out to his right, and there was room to run, but I think he tried to force it and threw it over, um, I believe it was John Brown's head, I, I can't remember, uh, but they ended up uh, having a punt on a, a couple plays later. And uh, there was just a few plays here and there where they they didn't take what they had. And I think that that set them back. But the most critical part of all of this, and this is where I think the growth continues to be a talking point, is not turning the ball over. This was a game that the first turnover was going to be a backbreaker. And, you know, who knows, Ryan, if if he doesn't throw a pick there, they have to settle for a field goal and it's 10-6 game and maybe the the bills come back and maybe they score a field goal or they get a touchdown or whatever the case may be, you know, they were moving the ball in the fourth quarter uh, with their backup quarterback, who, by the way, I got to go back and look at his name Huntley. So he was on their practice squad during the week Mm -hmm. and they started moving the ball. Who knows what comes of this game in the fourth quarter. If Taron Johnson doesn't make that play. Um, So I, you know, Everywhere that you look on, on this team, um, it's impressive. And I want to kind of divert for a second and talk about something else that I asked Sean McDermott about. Um, go back to this defense a little bit, and this was this was the defensive game. We gotta we gotta give them some shine because this has been a defense that you know over the first two months of the season, all we did was come on here and say, "Hey guys, what's going on here? This is not, um, you know." This is not the, the 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 defense that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have had the last few years. And I asked Sean about, you know, guys like Taron Johnson and guys like Trent Murphy that were handed some blows this year. I mean, when Taron Johnson was sat down for Cam Lewis earlier in the season. When Trent Murphy after the buy was told, "Listen, you know, you're a 10 million dollar cap hit. You have X amount of starts in the NFL. You have a double digit sack season back with the Washington football team." we're going to make you a healthy scratch moving forward and we're going to go with the rookie AJ Appanessa. I can't imagine that was a tough that was an easy pill to swallow for Trent Murphy. But part of its success, part of it's the fact that this is a 13 win team with potential and number 2 seed to go far and I think that that helps cure any ills. And on the other side, shout out to Mark Ingram for by all accounts, he was been a healthy scratch too and taking it pretty pretty well also. Those are the kinds of performances from guys that maybe took their lumps without complaining about it. Those are the kind of team stabilizing deals that can catapult you into a run like this where, okay, Daryl Johnson's hurt. we're gonna we're gonna call on Trent Murphy and he's gonna come in and he's gonna make plays. That play on Lamar Jackson, it ended up being a tackle for a loss um, was massive. And that's the kind of things I thought he could do if given an opportunity, and he made the most of it tonight.
1: We versus me—that's the big thing. And and with this Bills team, that they look for those team-first players, guys that understand that yeah, your your role may may change. You you may lose snaps. Look at a guy like Levi Wallace, who every single year he's battling for that cornerback two spot, and every single year. They're giving, they're splitting reps, it seems like, towards the end of the year, whether this year, Josh Norman, Kevin Johnson, the previous year, whatever the case may be. But there's no complaints. And, you know, for the most part, that's been the way it has with this entire roster over the last few years in the Sean McDermott era. And when there has been an issue, they jettison the guy. You know, Quentin Spain wasn't happy about being a backup. He was gone. They released them. They said, okay, you know, we'll we'll let you go. You can find work elsewhere. And obviously in this league, there's a lot of teams that are looking for offensive line help. So he he landed in the spot pretty quickly, but they're not going to let one player affect the locker room or affect the team chemistry. And, And that's huge. I mean, guys like Trent Murphy. Do, you, do I think he liked being inactive all those weeks? Tyler Croft, after being the most consistent tight end all, the, all those weeks that he was playing? Absolutely not. They want to be out there. They want to be difference makers. They want to help this team win games and, and now obviously get one step closer to the Super Bowl. But in this league, there comes a day and there comes a time where younger guys get more snaps over you, and you have to sit back and make those decisions. And, you know, kudos to Murphy and Croft and, TJ Yeldon, Yeldon two-year contract, and a lot of it he's been inactive because they've been going with, with different backs, and you have not heard him make a single peep about it or complain. He is a team guy. Having those types of players is so important in today's NFL.
0: Now it gets interesting, Ryan. It gets interesting for a couple reasons. Number one, what happens from here? And obviously there's a couple options. You have the Kansas city chiefs. If they win, the bills travel to Kansas city next week on Sunday uh, for the AFC title game. If the Cleveland Browns pulled the upset and it's such an interesting game. Like, listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to win this game, but it could happen. They're a run based offense. And if they are able to effectively run the ball and control the clock, who knows, you know, crazier things have happened. I think in a weird way, Kansas City's a little bit of a wild card right now. I know Andy reid's record off of a bye is elite, but we're talking about a couple of buys here. They haven't played in three weeks. They they set everybody uh the last week of the season. So the last game they played was week 16. This is going to be an interesting game tomorrow. And and where we go from here is interesting. Here's another point, though. Couple guys that the Bills have brought in the last couple of weeks, Kenny Stills, Devonta Freeman. I know that a lot of people thought that Freeman might be in the mix here to get, you know, maybe get activated. I never really thought that was the case. They brought him in. His first practice was Tuesday. Uh, learning the playbook, you know, going through a couple practices. It's We, we learned from Kenny Stills who came in the previous week. It, it takes some time. But now moving forward, you might be able to see a situation where you can bring up a Kenny Stills, throw him out there for a few plays and, you know, a few – whatever Brian Dable kind of cooks up scheme-wise uh, to get him a few reps – and all of a sudden, we're talking about a bevy of weapons at Josh Allen's disposal. Pretty interesting stuff.
1: And, and it's not the worst idea to bring him up right now because you saw Gabriel Davis suffer an ankle injury early in the game that kind of hobbled him throughout the game. He's another mm-hmm. player that did not end up with a reception. Cole Beasley still is in at 100%. So, you know, maybe having that extra wide receiver going into next week's game would benefit this team. And regardless of who they play, it's going to be a must-watch game, not just for the Bills fans, but for for football fans in general. You know, the Bills are, are the, the lovable losers from all these years, and now they're on the cusp of a Super Bowl. Cleveland Browns, if they somehow advance, you know, they may be – you know, they're, they're also those lovable losers. So that that matchup alone would be huge, just knowing that one team would make it to the Super Bowl, it would be another game that the Bills would get to host. Uh, But, you know, going against the Chiefs, getting a a chance to defeat Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl champions uh, in that game, that stepping stone before the Super Bowl would also be a huge statement for this team.
0: Yeah, this is a late night party. I'm looking at uh, some of the comments here. Uh, People uh, partying all the way through the night, 2.30 a.m. And actually, there was a lot of Bills fans still. uh, And and that's what always takes some time here is uh, I'm working at the stadium uh, until, you know, Two or three hours after the game, and then I have to uh, drive home. And so I was walking through the uh, the parking lots, and there was still quite a bit of cars around, and I can hear some some fans in the distance, and it it brought me back to simpler times, and you know the the, the memories of you know I would leave sometimes at uh, you know nine o'clock, ten o'clock at their home games, a one o'clock game, and. Uh, they'd, I'd be driving out, and all the trailers would be packed in the still in the in some of the lots, and you can hear the music and the in the laughter more so after a Bills win. Uh, but this is this is a special run. This is um, it, it's a special run even more so in the fact that the 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 potential seems limitless because even as the offense was struggling tonight, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I've never felt like this game had reached that point of, Oh gosh. And I know that there was a lot of fans tweeting like, Oh, what's going on here or what's happening. But, you know, I think that they've showed on both sides of the ball enough through 16 regular season games. And now two playoff games that they really are never out of a game and they're able to adapt. And I think that that's the, one of the critical and and different guys step up and all that combined is a, is a really, uh, an important characteristic of a championship-caliber team. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. I don't know if it was in a Zoom chat or oh, we did that Q and A for um, our letter to the editor this week. And I said, I really, really think that they can they can make a run to the Super Bowl. I don't want to get everybody too excited here, but I, I think Kansas City, Cleveland, whoever they end up playing next, with what they've built here and how they're playing, I don't think that they'll there's either opponent where they can't beat, they can't win. Not-
1: I agree completely. You know, the Browns defense, a lot has been made about that unit and being able to move the ball on them. They had a lot of turnovers last week against Pittsburgh, mind you, but I would love Buffalo's offense in that matchup. And the Chiefs had the number of the Bills uh, the, earlier in this year when they played, but the weather conditions played a factor. Josh Allen having the injury to his non-throwing shoulder played a factor in that. Some guys that weren't available played a factor. I would like to see that rematch too because I think that Josh Allen can move the ball on that defense. Uh, flipping it over, Buffalo's defense kept the the Chiefs from making that big play in the passing game and I'm sure they're going to have a sim- they're going to roll something out pretty similar to that uh if they play the Chiefs next week and I think they've gotten a lot better against the run, you know, our friend Eric Wood went on Instagram did a little video and he was talking about how the Bills are actually in the top 5 in run defense over the last few weeks of the season. Uh and probably some of that had to do with the fact that they were building huge leads and teams had to get away from the run, but When you have that healthy linebacking group out there and you're you're healthy across the board, all three phases, that obviously helps in terms of of stopping players in the backfield, making them get those stops early in the drives, and then then forcing the teams to have to throw on second, third down and getting off the field.
0: Well, we're still cooking here a little bit. We'll go a little bit longer. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Top's Friendly Markets. If you're watching on YouTube, and a lot of people are, I was a little bit nervous, Ryan, because you know we're in the middle of the stretch run here. We created a new YouTube page, and um, we got 200, almost 250 people watching the new YouTube page right now. Thank you so much. I mean, you guys are awesome. Uh, we're 2.30 in the morning. I mean, that's there's more than we could have ever uh, ex- imagined. So while you're here, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Click it. Right now, Uh, just so you're in, you're locked in. We have a huge show coming up on Wednesday. It is episode 100 of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. We have a nice uh, stack guest lineup that we're really excited about. Uh, And and we got another game to talk about here, Ryan, because the Bills are going on to the AFC title game. Let's go back to – we talked about this a little bit, I believe, on the pod on Wednesday – about where the expectations, or maybe I talked about it on other podcast. I think I did like 10 or 15 radio spots this week. But the expectations, you know, I felt like going into this week, the, the Bills kind of met those expectations, winning the AFC East for the first time in 25 years, a home playoff game, a, a playoff win. They, they've checked all of these boxes. I felt like we reached a point after the Colts game where everything from here on out, is gravy, but the thing about it now is Ryan, you teams don't get to this stage very often, where you're going to be part of the final four, and when you get to this stage in, especially in a year like this where there's been all these additional challenges around COVID, and the protocols and keeping your team healthy and together, and the 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 unbelievable focus it takes to keep yourself aligned so that not only do you make it through this four-month stretch without, you know, uh, a COVID-positive test infiltrating your entire locker room and, you know, maintaining discipline there, but, you know, then beating teams, beating good teams. I mean, you look at the run they're going to have to go on. The Colts, I would have made this argument going in this game. I think the Colts are better than the Ravens. If the Colts and Ravens played on a neutral field, I think the Colts are the better team. They're more well-rounded. They're deeper. Uh, they, they they have more options on offense. They're they're more dual threat. So you got to be the Colts. You got to be the Ravens who obviously defensively showed up tonight and showed why so many folks were bullish on their chances to upset the bills in this game. And then you're probably going to play the chiefs. We'll see. Sorry, Cleveland Browns fans, John Scott, if you're watching somewhere with a, 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 a resurgence brewery IPA or something like that, I know that you're, you're, you're all Baker all the time, but, Um, I think the Chiefs probably win that game. You probably have to beat the Chiefs. And then who knows, Green Bay in the Super Bowl, another unbelievable offensive team that, you know, is playing pretty good defensive football too. Um, I think the expectations now, Ryan, have to be, you know, a Super Bowl run because you're here, you won 13 games, you won your division, you're two in the AFC. I think you're playing as good as anybody in the league. I think it's okay to have those, those dreams now.
1: Yeah, and like you said, you're almost playing with house money now. You, you won the East. You won a playoff game. Now you've won a second playoff game. At this point, especially if it is Kansas City, no one's going to expect you to win for the most part. <laughs> you know, it's going to be another week where the media is hyping up the opponent. So go in there. Throw the kitchen sink at this team. You don't think that Brian Dable is going to throw some trick plays or th- you know throw something at the Chiefs to try to get some yards and get some scores. He absolutely will. This defense is playing with a lot of confidence right now. They're going to get after the the, uh, Mahomes, but more importantly, they're going to probably get after that run game to prove that you're not going to get 250 on the ground plus uh, against us this time around. So I can't wait for this Bills Mafia. You know, like you said, you don't get to the final four very often. And when you do, it's important that you strike because these opportunities don't come around often in the NFL. Uh as good as Josh Allen and as good as this roster is from top to bottom, and as much as I think they can contend for the next decade, there's no guarantees of getting this far and, and being on the cusp of a Super Bowl. So when you get to this point, you have to take advantage.
0: Shot do do your line that you had from our, our, our little uh preview show uh about the subscribe button.
1: Oh you had yeah. a great
0: you had a great line. <laughs> Drop it
1: absolutely bills mafia pretend that subscribe button is like a table and smash it right now we appreciate the support 2 36 in the morning over 200 fans in our in our new youtube page uh you know that's unbelievable thank you so much for your continued support uh like matt said a huge show on the horizon like the billy fuse billy billy B- 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 Fusillo huge it's too- buffalo. It's huge. I promise, it's going to be a great lineup.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh it's late. It's okay if you have a little uh little babbling here going on at the end and I'm kind of losing my voice and I got to write a couple stories. So we're going to get out of here uh plenty to talk about this week. Uh listen, as we map out this week, we may come back with a show on Monday um because I want to rewatch this game Kind of get a, a our first feel for um, who the bills are going to play and have our our initial reactions and um, you know what, it's 250 people watching on YouTube. Why don't we why don't we deliver the goods on on who we got coming on Wednesday right now? First of all, we're next week's a pretty big week in the MMA community, and you know my MMA crossover and I I, I love kind of uh, mixing the worlds whenever I can. No bigger Bills Mafia stand in the world right now. If you haven't watched his bit with on the Pat McAfee show last week, go find it. Ariel Helwani, the reporter of the stars, huge Bills fan. He is going to be uh, one of our guests on episode number 100. And, Ryan, we booked another guest. Tell him who's, who else is coming.
1: That's right. Bills Mafia. Have your roses handy. We are going back to the cast of The Bachelorette and bring diehard Bills fan Jason Tartik back to the show. Jason was one of our earlier guests. Another diehard Bills fan reached out to him uh, recently, and yeah, let's go. He's excited. Uh, it was it was a win or lose situation. They, they these both of these guys were in. They both are thrilled about the season the Bills have had. They want to talk about it. We're looking forward to having them
0: both. And we'll there's more. We're working on more. Uh, but we wanted to make we wanted to get to the other side of this game, see where we at, see where we, we were at. Was it going to be uh, a postseason uh, episode or an AFC Championship week episode? And so now that we're there, we're, we kind of got the uh, the wheels turning, and, and there's going to be more guests. It's going to be a a, a jam packed show, two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, get ready for uh, plenty of guests and plenty of fun. Who else? You 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 never know who's going to come. But our 100th show, we had to do something big, so it's going to be great. But I think we might come back Monday at some point. It might be even like in the afternoon sometime. Uh, and just like a quick podcast, 20 minutes, where we just dive into early thoughts on the matchup. We will stream that live on the new YouTube page. So if you're here, like this video, like our page, subscribe to our page. Uh, that'll be huge. Uh, what else did I want to get out before we get on? Oh, come on, Ryan. What is this? My first show? Find us on all the audio platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your, your podcast, find us there. Subscribe, rate, and review. This this shout football podcast is absolutely taking off. And it's because of you uh guys uh supporting us so much. Final thought, Ryan, hit us with it.
1: Final thought. Enjoy the ride, watch tomorrow. Just like last week, watch tomorrow's game, kick your feet up, have your favorite cold beverage. Because you have earned it, Bills Mafia, especially if you were one of those fans that were in attendance. I'm thinking you need some hot tea tomorrow, some lozenges to get that voice back. Uh, you might need someone for your hands from slapping those bleachers. But, wow, what an impressive job for the fans in the, in the stands tonight. Uh, couldn't be happier for this fan base. You've waited a long time. And like Matt said, you're in the final four.
0: Final, th- final thought from me. I think we all can take a lesson from not only this game, but this season that it's sometimes better to wait and see, you know, there's so much instant gratification, hot take culture that I think infiltrates professional sports and none more than the NFL because it's a win now business. You know, you, you, team hires a new head coach and, and you want to see results immediately. And if a player that that coach invested in, whether it be in free agency or the draft or however they acquired them, isn't working out. It's it's only natural to want to see changes and better play. But look at all the examples that we've seen this season from A.J. Klein to Trent Murphy tonight to Taron Johnson going back to the Pittsburgh game. Uh, to Josh Norman, to Levi Wallace, who had some big plays tonight. That sack really was an, an absolute momentum builder at the start of this game. And, you know, none more than Josh Allen. Go back to his rookie year. There's plenty of folks in Bills Mafia that were ready to run Brian Dable out of town. And now there's everybody in Bills Mafia doing anything to figure out a way to keep him in town. And so I, I guess what my biggest lesson is, and I'm learning lessons... You know, I I I took something so, you know, from I know it's Tom Brady and and Bill's Mafia. It probably doesn't want to hear me say anything good about Tom Brady, but you know, he said something earlier this season that he's 43 years old in year 21 with a new team, and he's learning just as much now as he did 20 years ago as a rookie. And I think that that's the best attitude to take. And I know it's social media, and it's it's um, it's sports, and it's fun, and it's sometimes it's not real life, but. Know these are players and these are people, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer for them to figure it out. And I think that the coolest thing for Bills fans is that you have a regime here with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott that are willing and have the patience to bring in the right people and let their process play out, you know, for lack of a better term. And it's led to this, and now. Let's see what happens. And I, I know for me, just as an analyst and as a, a reporter and a journalist, this, this experience has really shaped how I'm I'm going to view the game moving forward. And, and that it's been a learning experience year after year after year for me. So uh, it's been a fun ride. I'm excited to take one more step at least next week. Uh, for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. This is a shout. Buffalo Bills football podcast. YouTube, subscribe button. We don't want you to miss any of these shows, we definitely don't want you to miss this show coming up on Wednesday night. We will see you on Monday for more shout. All right, take care, guys. Oh, look at me. I messed it up, Ryan. I was about to end the broadcast. What, uh, Elliot would have yelled at me without the uh, the t- or PJ would have yelled at me without the tops, uh, at the end. PJ, I got gotcha. you. Here's your commercial.
1: Ready for football? With every game a home game, TOPS is ready for you with its TV a Day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70 inch 4K TV. Shop TOPS for the best deals in town, in store, or online to win.